It is so good to have you here today. And we added about 20 extra chairs for you, so we'd have a little more elbow room. And so thankful for all that have come. And um, I want to I want to introduce a new series over the next few weeks. We're looking at the subject called throwing shade. How many in the room you had heard of that term before? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a little better than I expected. And so that's because you guys are so hip, <laughs> cool, you know. But when it comes to the idea of throwing shade, it's, it usually references uh, quips and slams and put-downs. Not, not quite so much like your mama type jokes. Not like that. A little more subtle, a little more creative when it comes down to throwing shade, you know, kind of like what, what Pastor Corey did in the video. Sometimes it's even just a look, you know, just a little, a little look, you know. Throwing shade is one of those things that it's hard to explain, but you know she butts when you see it, right? Like, for example, a woman's at the grocery store, and she butts her buggy in front of another woman, you know? And then with a condescending look, looks at that woman like she's got the problem. And that woman says, well, that wasn't very ladylike. And the woman goes, neither is your mustache. That's throwing shade. Okay, guess what? Kids went back to school today, this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I can tell you guys are throwing shade at me right now just for that comment. But when it comes down to it, yes, kids, they did go back to school this week. And when it came to school, school, I know it may be hard for you to believe, but I wasn't real cool in school. I know, I know it's hard for you, but I know, I know. Junior high especially. How many had a rough time in junior high? Same here. Junior high was rough. Lots of shade thrown. And I had to work hard so that by my sophomore year, I started varsity soccer, dated the captain of the cheerleaders. That was the year that I went from geek to chic, baby. But all the years before that, I had a lot of shade thrown at me. And the thing about it when it comes to school, school can be a theater of throwing shade, where the script of the day at best is a litany of cut downs and jabs. If you're in school right now, I am so sorry, but it's so, so true, you know? But at worst, it's a barrage of bullying, right? And these kids that go through it, it's tough. And this isn't a, a sermon today on bullying, but I want you to understand, when we look at those children, a lot of times we say, well, that's just kids and they're going to grow out of it. But I'm going to be honest with you, how many of you have experienced in the last month somebody throw shade at you? Some, yes, 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 yes. We don't grow out of it. We experience it. And if you know your pastor, you'll know I preach this way. I don't preach with the pointed finger at the world. I point stuff at us first, the church, Right? We get it right, and then we go to the world and deal with that. Does that make sense? That's just how I preach, you know? And, um, and so, so today's sermon's kind of along those lines. Next week, we're going to look at what it looks like to triumph over shade. We're going to look at what it looks like to block out the haters, because there's some things that we need to learn and process through if we're not going to let the words and actions of others dictate our lives, all right? So that's next week. But again, the Bible says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So I'm going to judge me first. Is that cool? Right? I'm going to judge. Well, let me say that. I'm going to judge you first. Smile. No, I'm going to deal with the idea of the shade that at times we as Christ followers should guard ourselves because sometimes we throw shade religiously. And we've got to be careful of that because it does damage to the work of the kingdom of God. And it does damage to people receiving what God has for them. In Proverbs 18.21, it says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
death and life. The tongue, literally, that little muscle. For some of you, it's not so little. It's, you know, but that little muscle in your mouth, you know. When it comes down to it, it's the most powerful thing, I believe, the powerful force known to man. With it, you can encourage. How many had a teacher that maybe spoke life to you and encouraged you? And with it, you felt you could do anything. Anybody? Hunter? You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you could speak life. I had men of God in my life. I'm going to be honest. At junior high, public school, getting the brunt of a lot of shade. But I would go to church, and I have men of God speaking into my life. You know, and just calling things forth. God's going to use you, boy. You know? And all week long, the shade, the shade, the shade. But on Sunday, I got to shine a little bit as men of God would speak life to me. And that word of life overcome the lie of the enemy, and I was able to shine. Does that make sense? And so when it comes down to it, that tongue is something that can bring encouragement. That's something that can bring hope. I love this. A tongue is something that can cast vision. That's how powerful a man gets an idea and begins to speak it forth in this seed. Next thing you know, God starts to use that seed to bring vision. And next thing you know, I'll just throw this at a glance. Two years later, you're sitting in a building that's full. And it'll be full the next service. That was just a little thing. The tongue started speaking as God spoke two years ago and said, go for it. And y'all went for it. And now look what God's doing. Amen? So the tongue's a powerful, powerful thing. But on the other side, the tongue is also something that destroys hearts. The tongue is also something that brings, just like it brings encouragement, it brings discouragement. The tongue is something that literally has started wars, right? And here's what's really sad. The tongue is something that for some of you in this room today, you still have issues with who you are because of things a parent said 25, 30 years ago. Isn't that crazy? That's how powerful the tongue is. And so when it comes down to it, we want to learn to be responsible as God's people and what it looks like in our own lives as we look at engaging our family, as we look at engaging friends, as we look here in the house, engaging other people in the church, as it looks engaging those at work, those who are both believers and unbelievers. We, we've got to take that responsibility for that tongue, amen? Everybody grab your tongue. No, don't do that. And if you do, don't shake my hand afterwards. All right. So, see, that's, okay, so let's go. <laughs> Open your Bibles and stand to your feet, if you will. Here at Momentum Church, if you're a guest, we just love to honor God's word. And at least one time on Sunday, we'll usually stand to our feet just to honor the reading of the word of God. And in James chapter 3, it gets a little bit more into the power of this tongue and in verse 8, it says, but no human being can tame the tongue. I like that, no human being. That, that means that for our tongues to be dealt with, we need some supernatural intervention. How many of your wives need some supernatural intervention for their tongue to be dealt with? Okay, I'm going to preach on this side. <laughs> Love you, baby. <laughs> no, 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 no. No human can tame it. I don't know about you. There's times where it's like, Please help my mouth. You ever feel that way? Oh, it's like horses just getting ahead, taking off, and I, I'm trying to rein it in, and my tongue is like 12 feet in front of me. That looks crazy, but that's how it feels. Just running and doing its thing. But God can. Say, but God can. 
It says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now watch this. It's not that God created something in the earth that is evil. No, no. He created something that because of free will, it can be evil. But then he also gives you the ability to use it in the positive. With it, we bless. Say we bless. So with it, we can bless. We can make a choice. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, but now also on the other side, transversely, with it, we curse people who are made. Now watch this. We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We'll come back to that. From the same mouth, blessing and cursing. And it says this. It says, for these things, my brothers, they ought not be so. Can we take a moment and pray? Father, right now, we just come to you and we ask that you lead the rest of our conversation today. Lord God, that as we leave this place, we'd be a people responsible to speak life, responsible to speak blessing at every turn, I pray, Jesus. And we thank you for it in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five as you sit down. All right. Here's the thing. It's easy for us. It's easy for us to look at the haters, right? It's easy for us to go, yeah, that person, they said that thing to me. I'll give them a piece of my mind. It's easy for us to look at the haters. But can I ask you something? What if we're the ones doing the hating? What if we're the haters? What if we're the ones perceived as being those that are hating? And if you know anything about society right now, the church on a whole, in a lot of ways, is being viewed as that. Heard and been to maybe a ball. There's a lot of good reason for that. How many times you've heard and been to maybe a ball game and the guy out on the corner with the megaphone, God hates sin, God hates swiss, you know, all these people going to hell, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. My grandma would say that. Didn't even know what it meant, you know. You're going to put me in your purse and take me to hell? <laughs> I don't get it, you know. But a lot of times the church can be characterized as that. And, 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 and I think it's something that we've got to work against. I think it's not something that the church changes because guess who is the church? You are. It's something that we make a responsible choice to say, I'm going to choose with this tongue to bless and not everything curse. But Ross, it's, it's untamable. It's no human. Josh, no human can control it. I know. I know. But the Lord involved in our lives, we can begin to act, look, speak, and be a whole lot more like Jesus. And listen, here's the thing. This idea of what if we're the haters. Some people in this room today, you were nervous to come today. Because the last time you were invited to come to a church or the last time you were at a church, you felt like a lot of people were throwing some shade at you. Maybe you were a teenager and you left the house of God because you just didn't want to deal with all the shade. Maybe you were 20-something making dumb choices because you know what 20-something, early 20-somethings do? They make dumb choices. All right? I'm being, I'm being honest. I think that's why we have so many millennials here is because we love on them as they're making dumb choices, you know? We're not giving up on you knuckleheads, right? But maybe you were in your 20-somethings and making some dumb choices, and man, you got the stiff arm of fellowship, not that welcomed hand of fellowship. It was kind of like, get right or get out, Right? So what happens if that's the case? It's so funny. I have some friends that visited today. and When they came in, my friend, she held her hand on the wall. And she's like, is it going to come down? And, <laughs> and I wouldn't let her receive that. No. It's right where you're supposed to be. But how many remember those thoughts? Man, if I darken the doors of a church, that house is going to burn down. Lightning's going to strike. Where did you get that notion? You got that notion from either people hating 
or the devil hating on you. Either it really happened and people made you feel that way, or the enemy, the one that wants to keep you from life and life that's abundant, the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that enemy of your heart just doesn't want to get you involved. He wants to keep you from getting involved in something that's going to bring life and make life abundant. And so the enemy tells you that you're discounted. The enemy tells you that you can't belong. The enemy tells you you, you're you're not right enough or you're not this enough or whatever it is. The enemy tells you you're not white enough or you're not... Yeah, I said that. Whatever keeps you from the house of God. And so many people, I think, stay out of church long. And the reason why is because they've been blocking out the haters. I don't want to be around a judgmental, hypocritical bunch of people. And I'm going to tell you something. Guess what? We have hypocrites here. Because even your pastor at times, I don't mean to be two-faced. The things I will to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Even one of the best preachers we know, Paul, in Scripture, he said that of himself. He even said things like this. So if you feel this way ever, listen, God's not hating on you. Even Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of flesh? Messed up from the chest up. Who's going to come and help me through? Even Paul said that, you know. And I love it because Paul deals with a lot of condemnation in the Scriptures. In Romans 8, therefore now there's no condemnation to those who walk after Christ. Why? Because Paul felt a lot of condemnation. Do you know the church didn't even want Paul to come to Jerusalem and do ministry? That's his own Christian people. No, that's a murderer. That's somebody who, yeah, he once was, but he's not that anymore. They had to have a whole little council meeting to get things figured out to let Paul be able to even come to Jerusalem. And that's fellow believers, right, kicking a man, you know. And so Paul dealt with that, but he would speak things like, yeah, yeah, but those who walk after the Spirit, they won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those who walk after the Spirit, they don't have condemnation. I love that. And so Paul, he's teaching us through his scriptures, through the words that he shared, that we do not have to be condemned, but we can rise up above, if you will, the, the haters, even if it's the enemy himself that's hating on us. And as I said, that's why a lot of people stayed out of church. Some people, it was dress. I remember as a kid... And this blew my mind. As a kid, you would have the idea that you had to wear a suit to church. Now, I believe church has changed almost everywhere with that. Almost. Praise God. Okay? Now, if you like to wear a suit, wear a suit. I get that. But I can remember it being one of these things. And I had a whole plethora of ushers. And it was one of those things where our church, when I had the ushers, they had to wear a sport coat. And if they didn't have a sport coat, we gave them a sport coat. And it was mauve. We should have been hated on. It was mauve. You can't even say mauve and feel masculine about it. You know what I'm saying? When your word sounds girly, it's girly, you know? We wonder why we didn't have as many men. Like, we have so many men in this church. It's because we don't like mauve. All right, so. But I'm serious. I can remember guys at the altar getting saved. Lives changed. And it was a big deal because a month, two months later, they showed up at church with their first new suit. Oh, they're in the club now. Don't they look nice, righteous, holy, you know? And if you want to serve as an usher and you don't have that suit, we're going to put a mauve jacket on you. Because we want the anointing of God to move. You know, we, want the, the, we don't want to mess anything up. No, I understand the idea of respect and honoring the things the Lord so God feels welcome in a house. But man, and all through scripture, God, he came amongst the dreads of society and had no problem walking amongst them. Had no problem. Maybe, maybe it's addiction. And maybe you felt as if you could not come into the house of God because of addiction. You know? 
Ross, you don't know the struggles I have. You don't know what I struggle with with depression. So I don't feel like that's the place for me. When I get cleaned up, when I get joy, when I get this, when I get that, then I will count myself in. But until then, I feel as if I'm counting myself out. Some of that can be perceived from people actually making you feel that way. And some of it, everybody say, can come from the devil. Say the devil. I'm being honest. You have an adversary who wants to come against you, wants to rob you of all good things. And so with it, whether it's real or perceived, it doesn't matter if it keeps you from God's best, keeps you from a family that's going to love you in and through hard times and be there with you as you struggle with maybe even addiction, choices that aren't God-honoring, but they're helping you through it and, and so on. Maybe I love this. I was told recently um, that... That, you know, at times we have homeless people that come here, you know, which is awesome. I love that. And we help them, and they're a part of the, the family and, 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 and unemployed people. I didn't think nothing of it, but this person was saying they were talking to their family member, and their family member was blown away. Your, your church has people that don't work that come? Well, yeah, I mean, unemployed, and we're there for them. We're helping them. And your church has homeless people, addicted people? Yeah. Guys, I'm so thankful that momentum is like, we don't even think that way. It's just... Man, I just don't even think, it's, these are the people of God, period. And I'm thankful for everyone that is a part. How about, how about this one? I have a friend whose parents have a hard time going to church because they were divorced. Married 30-some years ago, again, but because they were divorced way back, just can't you be used at church, can't be an usher, can't be a deacon, been married to his wife for 30-some years, have an amazing child together, and can't serve and can't be used by God? It, does the blood of Jesus only wash away a little? Or can the blood of Jesus make everything new? I, I think it can make, you should give God some praise in here for that, amen? I think it can make everything, everything new. There's a woman in our church. She felt as this. God didn't love her, she felt, because she had made so many bad choices with men. And she had. She had a couple bad choices with guys, a couple of marriages that ended in divorce, you know? But you know what? The righteous, the Bible says, fall six times, and seventh they rise. And that woman, man, she rose up, and that third man, come on, he's some kind of something. I'm not going to say who they are, because I didn't tell them I was going to tell that story. <laughs> but I'm so proud of them, you know? And how they dated and how they, they courted and how they made decisions to, to honor God in the relationship. And they got a beautiful marriage. But for years, she felt the shade of the enemy. She felt the shade because of shame. Because I'm divorced and I can't make good choices. And I just don't even know if God loves me. That happens a lot of times with single moms. I have a baby. I'm a single mom. Or I'm a mom and I have a baby out of wedlock. And where do I go? I'll tell you where you go in, in, in Woodstock, Georgia. You go to Momentum Church. That's where you go, honey. Because we're going to love you and strengthen you and be there for you. Amen? Well, now there's people here today that have more of a traditional mindset, and you're looking at me going, oh, that's one of them anything goes kinds of churches. No, no. I say it all the time. We are a come as you are, but not a stay as you came kind of church. We just don't think that you grow by having people push you down and beat on you and slam on you. And you grow by having people speak life into you and come alongside of you and tell you that God can do great things in spite of your bad choices. If you'll let them. Amen. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for you people. 
I'm serious. That you're not a shade-throwing bunch of people. I have tattoos. I can't go to church. I've been meaning to talk to Pastor Corey about that. No. Let me just say it this way. That kind of shade, that's not happening here. Amen? 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 Now, there's times where we're human. You feel that rise up, and you got to push the thing down. And here's the reason why. You ready for this? Don't miss this. We want the broken in this house. Can I tell you why? We want the broken in this house, not because we are fixed, but because we are being fixed together. Is that good? Not making excuses for each other, challenging each other to rise up. In those small groups, our journey groups that will start in a few weeks, people are there to be like iron sharpening iron, helping each other develop and grow. But it's out of relationship. It's not out of who do you think you are trying to get in here and trying to, don't you see this in your life and that in your life? What's wrong with you? No, it's I need to grow. And you and your struggle, but you're growing toward God, you're going to help me in my struggle. And we're going to grow toward God. And guess what? As children of God, we're going to start to look more and more like Jesus together. Amen? One of our core values is that we grow together as fully devoted followers of Christ. That authentic relationship that takes place. Authenticity in relationship. That doesn't mean that we just make excuses for sin. No, 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 no broken by we're broken by sin in our own lives now you ready for this and we're broken by sin in the lives of those that we do life with does that make sense and we're broken by sin god's been dealing with me with that you know just used to get so angry when people would slam a horn on me or be rude to me and and the lord's been just so helping me would be able to see them as broken in sin not knowing what they had going on that day in their lives and realizing they might be ugly because they feel ugly because things are going bad, you know. But there was a time in my life where I would throw shade left, didn't I, Amy? Didn't I? Yeah, there was one time I threw shade so bad in Ohio, Amy goes, baby, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said to her, let's move to Georgia. <laughs> and you want to know how I got here. I'm serious. I'm jumped out the truck. I'm ready to fight this guy, and he's calling me names, and, and, um, and he had a skullet. You know what a skullet is? That's where you got hair in the back, but your party fell out, <laughs> or your business fell out, and your party, whatever, and, um, and, and I was ready to go, and I was rude, and I, and I said things I shouldn't as a preacher. Thank God this was probably about four, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and I told Amy, and she said that. She said, what are we going to do? And, and I did. I joked. I said, well, let's, we were fixing to move here. I said, let's just move to Georgia. <laughs> so I'm not perfect. I'm growing, too. Here's the thing, people, that man that jumped out of his truck and talked so ugly, that man with the skullet, he was made in the image of God. Yeah, he was. And every one of us made in the image of God, listen, you are designed to shine. That's just how God created you. He designed you to shine. And here it says that we, we bless we're cursing, but also with our tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We're cursing people who are made in the image of God. Man, I love how we sang earlier today. From your mother's womb, he created you. And you are a child of God. From your mother's womb. Each person you run into is a child of the Lord. God created them. He designed them to shine. You may be here this morning and you don't feel like you're shining very much. Think of it this way, all right? <laughs> you crackhead, there's a part of you <laughs> that looks like Jesus. I don't care. 
Yes, and you can start calling each other crackheads. No, don't do that. <laughs> but there's a part of you, no matter how messed up you are, that looks like Jesus. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. You can't help look like the things of God. You can't help but have some shine in you. You were designed to shine. And the world does a pretty darn good job of trying to knock the shine off. Can we as the people of God be a people that will stop trying to knock the shine off people's lives? Will we be a people that, that speak life, not death, hope, not discouragement? Amen? I feel, I feel this morning, like I, I feel like I'm almost channeling the Joel Osteen spirit. <laughs> He's just so positive. It's just when I said that last thing, I just thought, you need to shine. <laughs> just making a joke. Love the positivity in that fella. No, I'm being honest, though. There's something to that. Speaking life and not death and hope and not discouragement. There's something to that. So when it comes down to it, why should we bless people? Like I said, because they are made in the image of God. Jesus modeled this to us at every turn. Yes, he did. Every turn we saw how Jesus reacted with people. I mean, think of the woman who was caught in adultery. The woman caught in adultery. The men wanted to have her stoned in that moment. And in public, watch this, don't miss this. In public, Jesus said to the people, those who have no sin in them, cast the first stone. Very loud. I, this is how I picture it. Very loud. If you have no sin, you cast the first stone. But then he gets real quiet. And then he begins to deal with her. And I love this. I almost can see Jesus coming, not in public, but just whispering in her ear, Honey, go, go, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to deal with the sin, but publicly he wasn't going to shame her. Publicly he was going to speak life. If you got an issue, you know what? You cast the first stone if you don't think you have issues. But privately, he spoke life. Privately, he spoke a challenge. Privately, he moved her forward. Honey, go and sin. That's the ministry we want to have, where publicly we're going to stand for you, stand beside you, go for it. And then in those private moments of small group and, and, and just growing as team members together, and we begin to challenge each other, not out each other, not throw shade on each other, but challenge each other to become more like Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not an either or. It's a both and. It's not that you can't throw shade and you're also not supposed to challenge people to grow in the things of God. No, it's a both and. Don't throw shade. In a beautiful, caring way, those that you're connected to, challenge them to rise with you. That's the problem so often. Church comes across like, I got to figure it out. You don't. You better step up and get things straight. Mm -hmm. That was the best shade I could throw. You know? No, no. I'm growing. There's things I'm dealing with. Help me. Your pastor goes to a small group every week, 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. Why? Because I need help too. I need challenge as well. I need that so much in my life. And I don't need looking down their nose at me, but I need this mutual, you're messed up and God's changing you, and I'm messed up and God's changing me. I'm not going to excuse you in your mess up, but I'm going to challenge you in it. And please don't excuse me in my areas of messing up. Keep challenging me in it. And I tell you, a year, two years, five years, ten years, that's why we've seen so much growth at Momentum Church. Because all you, and I'm going to say it one more time, because when you go somewhere to this week, you're going to be like, man, my pastor called me a crackhead. All you crackheads, a decade ago, who you are now blows my mind. People of God, 
loving Jesus, loving people, developed, not bound by the addictions you once were bound to, but free. Come on. Jesus has done that in your life. And the what? Come, give God praise. Amen. And so Jesus, he models this to us. Pharisees would say, look at this. He's a glutton and he's a drunkard and he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And they would say, this is a man who welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, literally a man that has acquaintances and friends that others would just reject because of their lifestyle. And Jesus, man, he's looked at by the Pharisees as one that you welcome sinners. <laughs> yes. We welcome those as a church that are struggling in sin. We welcome you with open arms. But when you're outside the four walls of this church, not just Momentum Church, where Pastor Stephanie gets up here and says, Do you belong here? You know? And we're so glad you came. But your lifestyle outside the four walls of this church has an open heart to people. Does that make sense? To when you're connecting with people, they're not sensing shade. They're not sensing this disdain from you. They're not, they're, they're seeing Jesus and this love that comes from Jesus that ebbs and flows in and through your life. And yes, you can't do that in every situation. I understand that. I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it either, you know. But I am saying submit yourself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit because no human can tame that tongue. But the Holy Spirit, I want to say old-fashioned, the Holy Ghost can. Everybody shout that real loud. The Holy Ghost can. Oh, you don't sound like, say it like a bunch of Pentecostals. The Holy Ghost can. Mm, yes, he can. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm sorry. Say that, yes. But the Holy Spirit can. He can tame that tongue. And so we, through shade, we throw shade at times on people when we don't hold them in the right view. And I want to show you real quick as we close. Just a few of the ways that we view people, two ways that we view people poorly, and it causes us to throw shade. And I'm hoping this will make you go, yeah, I do that, Ross. I, I do that. And I hope as we leave, it will give us a very practical uh, reminder of when we're messing up and we're throwing shade, even when we don't mean to throw shade. Sometimes we do because we have a bad view of what people, who people are, what people are. All right. So the first thing here, three ways of viewing people. The first way that you can view people, and if you do this, invariably, you will absolutely show shade at times, and it's this. You view people as machinery, as machinery. Well, Ross, what do you mean by that? You are here to serve me. That's who you are. I, I don't need anything else from you. Just serve me. And so we go through life viewing people as machinery. Well, what does that mean? Well, how about gas station attendants? Just giving you a few types of people that we do this with, waitresses and waiters, right? Receptionists, right? Your spouse, sometimes. How about bank clerks? Bank clerks, you know. And with that, when it comes down to it, they're made in the image of God, but as soon as they get your order wrong, we forget that, you know? But, but Pastor Ross, if that woman's made in the image of God, she ought to be able to make a Big Mac then. And <laughs> make it right. I agree, okay? But I don't know what happened that week. I don't know the stress she's under. Now, I'm not saying we just excuse every little thing, but there's a way. I've ordered this and you didn't get it right. You know. There's a way of, of, of dealing with it to where she is still honored as the person that is made in the image of God. Does that make sense? But when we treat people like machinery, 
and they don't get our order right. They don't process the line fast enough. Okay? Now, I'll be honest. The system's flawed. The system's against us. Walmart has 20 lines. It cracks me up. And two are open. Okay? And then everybody just goes use the self, self they added the self things. And that, that, I'm glad they did because you can never go in a line. I just, the self thing makes, it makes, ooh, I want to throw shade. But that's the last thing Erica needs at Walmart is for me to throw shade. Young woman that we've all been loving on. We say her name out loud here at the church. We pray for her often. African-American lady with tons of tattoos. When she realized that you can actually go to church and have tattoos, it was mind-blowing for her. Told Pastor Brantley, she said, people at your church have tattoos. He goes, pastors at our church have tattoos. You know? So we've been loving on Erica. That's the last thing she needs is for a believer to just bring down, you know. I want to buy this and this. And I got, my, I got my devotional that I'm buying today. And this, Joel Osteen's newest book. And, 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 I, and then something doesn't go right. And we just lash out and throw shade, you know. So that's treating people like machinery, and we've got to guard ourselves. You know, they're more than just the act they do in our lives. Amen? And if you're here today and you have a service-type job, can we all give applause to those with service-type jobs? Amen? Amen. The second view of people that will get us in trouble is we view people as scenery. So number one is machinery, number two as scenery. And these are just people we look past. They're just like a bush, like a tree, like a shrub. That's all they are in our lives, and we just look past them. They may be somebody that's in the cubicle down the hall from you, and you walk, you've walked by that person so many times, you don't even see them anymore. They're there. And maybe that one time you started to walk by and you saw tears in their eyes and they were discouraged. You just kept walking. Because I don't have time for you to be anything but scenery in my life. I, I, don't, I don't want to treat you as anything but scenery in my life. And so these are the people that are coming and going in our life. Now, I do love that we live in the South. Holding open it helps us to be mindful of scenery. And what that is is this, holding open doors. You know, because that person coming your way could just be scenery. In the north, I'm telling you, we don't do that up there. You walk through the door and you just keep going. Okay, the door's in my face, you know. And I do think it's a beautiful thing here in the south that, that it's just a mindfulness that you're not just scenery, you're humanity. And I'm opening the door for you and vice versa. I think that's pretty awesome, you know. And so and there's times where people don't do that and, 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 and they need shade thrown at them. Who are some other things? Like, 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 like I said, the cubicle, um, janitors and maintenance people, you know, people that just keep everything squared away, but you never see them. You know, I think of the people here that serve. If you serve on our cleaning team, can we give them a big applause? Amen. Amen. They're not up here shining. They're out there shining, literally, you know. I'm telling you, they don't get that recognition. They don't ask for it, but they don't get that recognition. But I tell you right now, the first thing that doesn't get done right, and you come to your room, and it's supposed to be a certain way, and it's not, the cleaning crew, what in the world happened? You know? See how that works? And so we've got to be careful in our hearts, you know, of that. And then the last one when it comes to scenery is everyone driving on the road that is not you. <laughs> 
I'm literally, if you're on the road and you're not me, you suck. <laughs> I mean, just, just period. I just don't even like you. Just get out of my way, you know. And, and I say that jokingly, but on the way here today, I crossed the double yellow line twice to pass people going 25 miles an hour because they were 45 mile an hour zone, you know. And, and, and Jeremy, we're, good, cop's not here. So I, I just, when I came out of my mouth, I realized I messed up. I should have said that. And, um, but I did it even in a respectful way. I looked for a spot. I passed. I wasn't like, blah, you know, I, I, um, I just kind of. I didn't have to go very fast to get around because they're going like 25. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, these are part of our world. As long as they stay in their lane, <laughs> we're good. Just don't interject yourself in the middle of my commute to work. Because at that moment, that scenery, I got to throw some shade at. You see, because I'm treating them like scenery, not like people. I don't know what they're going through, you know. Maybe that person in front of me today, mama died, you know, in a car crash. And so they just are bound to not drive faster than 25 miles an hour. I don't know what it was, you know. But if I went by honking my horn, revving my motor real loud, so blah, past him like a jerk, that wouldn't have been kind. I still need to get past him, but that wouldn't have been kind. <laughs> Yesterday, Adelie had her first car crash. Aww. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ed got destroyed. No, not too bad. Ed is the, the 92 Accord that she's had for a few years. And she's out here in Arnold Mill and Barnes and she has the left turn signal, and she starts to take it, and a guy wants to turn right on red, which you can do, but not if somebody has a left turn signal. And so with that, he clips her in the side of her fender, and, um, and they get out of the car, and he's doing the typical, what did you do? Why did you come through? I was turning right on red. I had the right away kind of a deal. Thank God the woman behind that saw the signal going jumped out and didn't treat my baby girl like scenery. Because she got out and kindly let the man know, sir, I saw the light blinking. You were definitely at fault. Honey, I'm going to stay with you until the police come, you know. Wow. And she didn't treat my little, little, my little, my little, my 20-year-old Adelie. She didn't treat her as scenery, you know. And, um, and that, praise God for that. Because then I would have had to go find the guy and treat him. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, it would have given me an opportunity, okay, to practice the last thing and we're done. Don't view people as, as, as machinery. Don't view them as scenery. View them, ready for this, as worthy. Period. As worthy. I don't know what that means in that moment for them, but they are made in the image of God. They're worthy for you to be treating them with respect. We have an option every day to bless or to curse, to view people, ready for this, as common or as made in the image of God. That's the difference. Common or worthy. Form them their mother's womb. They are still in that moment a child of God from birth. So we have an option every day to bless or curse or to view people as common or made in the image of God. And the Bible says in James 3, 8 through 9, as we finish, we saw it earlier, our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. With it we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. And I just want to challenge us to take responsibility for the shade we throw. Next week, we're going to learn about how we handle the shade that gets thrown at us. But can we always be a Christian group, a church, that will deal with our stuff first? Is that cool? I don't want, I don't want to look at how bad the world is. That's why the world says there's so many hypocrites in church. So we just won't deal with our stuff. So let's just be the people that deal with our stuff first. And so today, I'm asking us to do that. And, and if you're a guest with us, man, you're welcome to join in us as we learn to allow God to shape and change us. And as we work together 
to be fixed, if you will, to, to grow in the image of Christ, to be more like him. I'm going to close with this in the message version of the Bible. It says in 1 Peter 3, verse 8 through 12, I love this. It says, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. Isn't that good? You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Isn't that good? What's your job? What's your job? And you'll be a blessing, yes? And you'll get blessed. What's your job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be known as a blessed people people, more so than a cursed people people. All right? And I want you to say that. Say, God help me to be a blessed people people, not a cursed people people. Say it one more time. God help me to be a blessed people people. Not a cursed people, people. And my prayer is that for this house that we will be a blessed people church and not a cursed people church. Amen? And so it finishes with this. It says, whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what you do. You ready for this? You want that blessing? You want life to fill up with good? Here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. A lot of work. I can't do that. I know it. It's not a human thing. You have to submit to the leadership of the Spirit of God. It's not on you. To produce the fruit of patience, it's God's fruit. Amen? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I know I'm not patient. I need His Holy Spirit's work in my life. Or I'll throw shade till the sun comes up and down, you know? Snub evil, cultivate good. Run after peace for all you're worth. How much are you worth? How much is that person that you're struggling with peace with worth? Well, that's right. They're made in the image of God. They're not machinery or scenery. They're worthy. That's how much they're worth. God looks on all this with approval, and he listens and responds well to what he's asked, but he turns his back on those who do evil. So as God's people today, let's pray. Jesus, help us, I ask, to be the people that wake up in the morning. God, how can we bless others? How can we be those that represent you well in the earth? Lord God, those situations where I want to treat them as machinery or scenery, call into my heart a question of value. And allow me to answer that question of value with a response that says they are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www. Dot momentumchurch.tv dot